Welcome to Gregorian Rant. And we're back. I'm Father Brian Larkin. Oh, dude, I was hoping you were going to introduce me. I'll introduce myself. I'm Patrick Deveni. You're Patrick Deveni. You're kind of a big deal. The rookie around here. The rookie. We almost called the podcast The Rookie. Yeah. Yeah. And then Father Mike came in with Gregorian Rant. We're like, well, that's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you have had an amazing advent. Now we are releasing this podcast on Christmas Day, the 25th of December. What a great present for everybody out there, including myself, who's going to wake up and have to put this live. It's, oh, always, yeah. it's always a scary moment when you're like, do I? Do we publish this? I don't know. I know. Do you ever feel like, I mean, I say a lot of dumb things. Am I sure I want to put this out there? That's right. I literally, every time, every week I get on there and I, I hit submit and I close my computer. I just like have to walk away. Don't think about it. What's going to happen is going to happen. And I'm letting this thing rip. We're going for it. Yeah. So let it rip. So um, how are your pants? Oh, you can't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I just was wondering how your pants are doing. I got to the office today only to realize that I have officially blown a hole in my pants. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> it's my only jeans too. And Steph and I keep joking like I need to get new jeans. And it's been just so cold. I have zero desire to wear dress pants. And sure enough, I got to the office today and I was called Steph right away. I was like, ah, I've got a serious issue. I officially cannot stand up from my desk all day today. Yeah. No, that's rough. I, you know, it's funny with jeans, like you have a wife to do this, but you're, you're, let's be honest. You're a little bit of a fashionista. You've, you, you know, I mean, me too. My blacks. The so. all blacks. Yeah. No, but when I was in seminary, I, my jeans were all torn up <clears throat> and one of my friends, she was like, Brian, we've got to go. We're going jeans shopping, which I was like a little creeped out by. I'm like, just feels weird. It's like I'm a future priest and a friend who is a girl, not a girlfriend. Yes. Was like, let's go shop for jeans. I was like, this is kind of awkward. But she forced me and we went. And now I'm like, I get my jeans from Costco. And honestly, I'm like, I can't tell the difference. <laughs> I I can't I can't justify oh, you know, the best sales are at Old Navy. Like I 10 bucks that. for a pair of jeans. Cause I'll, I'll 10 bucks. I blow through jeans so quick. Yeah. It's just my, like my body shape that they, I just always blow out like the thighs. You mean like the pear shape? That's right. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the, the ideal pear shape. Yeah. But I can't justify it. Cause if, when I, when you blow through something like $200 pair of jeans, like what, why I can't do it. I'm just one of those people. And those of you who know me will not be surprised. I would never spend $200 in a pair of jeans. <laughs> That, that like, I think when I went with my friend, I think we, I ended up buying a pair of like, I don't know, $70 jeans. And I was like, what? Like, yeah. why would you pay $70 for jeans? I think you, in the companions, you'd have to get permission, wouldn't you? Close? For a new <laughs> Not for that, but you would definitely be mocked and ridiculed for the rest of your life. <laughs> so. That is phenomenal. Yeah. I love it. So yeah, that was my day to day. Uh. But still, I'm still like have to sit cross-legged and just survive until I can get in the car yeah. and get home officially. Well, so today, everybody, we always uh, run out of time, I feel like. So let's <clears throat> let's talk about our topic today. Let's We've got a great one today, you know? Yeah, let's get to it. Officially Christmas. Officially Christmas. But. 
And well, I feel like last week when we talked about Advent, I kind of joked about it. And afterwards, I, I kind of feel it. So if I'm going to be honest, I feel a little bit let down from my upbringing uh, in the Catholic or my understanding of the Catholic faith. But I, I don't feel like it ever really gets explained. Uh, the concept of what we call priesters, people who yes. attend, which we know that and trying to plan for Christmas mass. Hey, if you're a priester, we love you. Totally. But again, I, I have to side with them because I don't really feel like it ever gets explained. Why is it an, first of all, let's just talk about the verbiage of Sunday obligation. Yep. Already off to a bad start. Now I feel like I have to go. One, two, very forceful. Two, it's so, like we already talked about the concept of Christmas and how it's just part of the season and Easter, it's something you do. It's like part of the day. But for those people that only attend Creaster, I don't ever feel like it's it gets explained. Why do you have to attend all the other weeks of the year? Right. Especially coming from the Protestant background, where if you don't, if if I missed a Sunday, a Sunday service, not a mass, if I missed a service, I could watch a live stream on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, any other day. What about it's, Friday? Probably. Yeah. I think it's still okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but it's never it's never an issue. And so, you know, now I, I understand. I, you know, I respect it, and of course, I don't. I don't ever think otherwise. Now it's okay. Sunday, that's that's the deal. But in defense of my creaster goers, right? Are you, I, st- are you still? Wait, I think some people probably don't know what the word creaster means. That's fair. Uh, it was kind of, I actually didn't even know what it was until I started working here and it was a a live auction item at our gala, Creaster, uh, pews, but it's, it is those that attend mass on Christmas and Easter, hence. And only Christmas. That's right. That's fair. Uh, Creasters. Yep. Um, but again, if you, if it's not really explained to you, help me, help me explain to them why it's uh, actually pretty important to attend yeah. the other times of the well, year. Well, there's there's so many questions around this, and I love this topic. Yeah, this is this is something I feel like I haven't preached on this in a little while. I used to preach on this pretty regularly because I feel like that's this really is like at the heart of people's misread of Christianity. Totally. Well, and especially, I mean, I remember last year when we showed up to Christmas Mass. I forget what time we went, like the six o'clock or whatever, and and obviously we didn't have the restrictions like we do now in COVID, but I mean, Mass at Lords is already packed on a, in a non-COVID year for sure. Um, but when it came to Christmas, I mean, people were lined all the way around, like coming out right. of the woodworks. And so you're kind of, and even now planning for Christmas, like it's like, okay, we have to plan for the people that are just going to show up on on the Christmas Easter scenario. So it yeah. makes sense at, at Christmas to talk about it. So why, let me ask you this. So if if this was you... Or if you have friends who are this way, because I'm I'm a priest. My only friends are the people who are like, you know, Catholics. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Not only are they there, they're they're your friends are probably there super early. They want front oh, yeah. row. Yeah, no, totally. Um, well, and sometimes my friends are like, hey, FB, you're the priest. Can you get us? Can we sit in Deacon Daryl's chair? Totally. And I'm like, no. They want field passes. They want or, field passes. That's right. So, but here's my question for you. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt because I think we should. And honestly, I think both of us would say, 
we kind of understand the people who think, why, why should I have to go? And what do you think they're thinking? Like if you're someone and not, I know there are people who come to mass on Christmas and Easter who are atheists, but mom, you know, we love yeah, mom. And, going for grandma. Yeah. We yeah. love grandma and we love mom and we're going to go to make mom or grandma happy. Usually it's not dad or grandpa. I feel like maybe sometimes <laughs> I can think of family. a, I, I can think of a couple of people at Lords where it would be like, let's make dad happy. But, but regardless, but the people who are kind of well disposed, they're like, Hey, yeah. you know, I'm not against Catholicism. I'm not against Christianity, but I don't, I don't need to be there every Sunday. What, what do you think kind of, how do they view that? I feel, I, again, I feel like for me, and even even people that aren't opposed, you know, I was talking to a buddy the other day that I saw him at Christmas Mass um, last year, and yeah. I, I was actually kind of shocked to see him. But if you ask him, he he identifies as Catholic. Like, it's he is, yeah, I'm Catholic. No issues about it. But to him, he will only go on Christmas and Easter. And it's more of like, again, I think you get that emotion of, it is something to look forward to on Christmas. It's something different. You're with the family. It's the whole bundle. And yeah. same with Easter. It's very, you, you, you know, you go, the kids are running around doing the little treasure hunt thing, Easter egg hunt. And then <laughs> not at church. I, I haven't done that for a while. Uh, but, but then you go to church, then you go to brunch and you're dressed in pink and what else, you know, all these crazy colors. Right. Um, but I, I, I honestly would have to say that I don't feel like it was ever, truly explain to me it's just kind of like when when all your focus is on just christmas and easter and you're like sure you know someday if i'm with grandma again we'll go or like whatever um but i I think when most people if they're if they're going christmas and easter yep and and like if you ask them you say hey are you a christian and they would say yes but they're just not going to church and tell me if i'm wrong on this i my thought on this is people kind of think God's cool. I'm not a bad person. I try to like live a decent life and I do live a decent life. I'm not perfect. But what's the big deal? Like, why do I, why do I have to go to church every Sunday? God and I are good. Yeah. And and from the surface, you think God loves me no matter what, right? Like, so whether or not I attend and, you know, it wasn't until I started learning about like confession and all these things of like, Oh, if I didn't attend, I have to confess that. Like those type of things that exactly to your point, if you are going and you're just kind of thinking to yourself, like God loves me, I have the relationship with Jesus. What else do I need? It's not a, it's more of like, I, you know, it's winter's winter's here. I want to go up and snowboard or ski or whatever. Right. If I can make it back for mass, if not, what's the big deal. Right. And so I love this topic. Yeah. I love it. And I think, I think one of the, there's so many, this could be a dangerous episode because there's so many things this touches and so many tangents this can go off on. Yep. So we may have to come back to this. We probably will. But I think part of it, so let me ask you, let me put you on the spot. Mr. I went through Father Brian's RCIA. Oh boy. What's the first commandment? Thou shall not kill. <laughs> no, that's the fifth commandment. Come on. <laughs> so the, so the, it's really interesting. So, and here's what I want to get to. So maybe, maybe the best place to start, and we'll talk about the first commandment, but the, um, 
the place I want to start is I think, I think of the way a lot of us feel. And I was there, if you're there at this place in your life, or even more importantly, I feel like the way the podcast is probably starting, there's probably a lot of you who are already good Catholics. You're listening. You have a son, a daughter, That's a right. brother, a sister, someone in your life who you wish would go to church. Uh, and it's like, how do I talk to him about this? And I think a starting place is that when people talk to me about this, the normal thing all of us do is we say, I'm not getting anything out of mass. Totally. Right. And that's, I would say that's not true. Even if, even if the homily is terrible and the music's bad, which has never once happened in the Catholic church, as we said, in another, hom- or another podcast, never, there's never been a bad homily in Catholic history. If you can't tell I'm joking, but this gets at the heart of the first commandment, I am the Lord your God. Uh, you shall have no strange gods before me. Um, and then Jesus, similarly in the New Testament, when the Pharisee right uh, comes up to Jesus and he says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? You remember what Jesus says? No. So this is, my staff hates me because they're like, I do this to them. <laughs> But right when the two great commandments, so they come to Jesus and they say, what, what's the most important commandment, right? Like if there's one commandment that is the most important thing in the entire Bible, what's the most important thing? Jesus answers and he says, and it's basically the first commandment. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all, and it's, this is this is Deuteronomy 6. This is the Shema. He says, Shema is the Hebrew word for here. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and all of your strength. And so I think this is a good starting place because I think people who are Christers, I think what they probably feel, and if I don't know if I'm right about this, I'm not a Christer. I say Mass every day. But but I, I this resonates with me, is they want to say, oh yeah, I do that. I love God. That's all, that's all I have to do. Uh, and I think this is where, this is our starting place, though. So Jesus says the most important thing of all the commandments is that you will love your God, the Lord your God, with everything. Not a part of your heart, not a part of your mind, but with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And I, it makes me think there was an old KBCO song. I think it's uh, Ziggy Marley. Ooh. Is he Bob Marley's, like, brother, oh, cousin, I, it, nephew? It was either brother or... Maybe it was cousin. I don't know. There's like a million Marleys though. They all yeah. run with it. But he was like definitely close, like actual relative of some sort. Yeah. And so he has, do you remember the song? He has a song. KBCO still plays. If you don't know KBCO, best radio station in Colorado. Oh yeah. Out of Boulder. That's right. But they would always play the song and Ziggy Marley's on there singing and he sings, love is my religion. That's right. Right. Yep. And I think, and and the, the reason I love this topic of like, why do I have to go to mass every Sunday? Is it, I think all of us feel that the heart of religion should be love. So the first commandment, so there's two places we get the 10 commandments. And I have to, you, you got to hold me accountable here because I'm going to, it's tempting to go into like RCIA mode of just teaching. Um, so there's two places we get the Ten Commandments. We get them in Exodus chapter 20, which is when the Jews arrive at Mount Sinai. And in, they arrive in chapter 19, and in chapter 20, God gives them the Ten Commandments. 
The other place they're reiterated in is Deuteronomy chapter 5. And so right now I've got my Bible open to Deuteronomy 5. And so uh, the starting in verse 6, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. And here's here's where we're going to get to this. Why? How could there be a Sunday obligation? So here's the straight up answer, and hopefully we can unpack this. So St. Thomas Aquinas says that religion is a sub-virtue of justice. So we'll break this down, but how would you define justice, Patrick Devaney? I would say a form of fairness. I don't like. Uh, That's good. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, I don't know, leave it there. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't know. You affirmed me. I'm going to leave it right there. Right. I don't want to. <laughs> Mic drop. I don't, yeah. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to get further in that. But I'll. Yeah. I'll say that of some sort of fairness. Yeah, and so what is right? So so justice is really. I mean, a simple definition would be. Justice means treating other people as they deserve to be treated. It's a virtue where okay. we treat other Fair. people as they deserve to be treated. Yeah. So you want to live a good life. You have to treat people as they deserve to be treated. And so Aquinas flips the question on its head. So everyone I talk to, they say, man, you know what? Father Brian went long. His homily was terrible. Music was bad. Well, they would never say that at Lord's. But whatever. They're like, I didn't get anything out of it. And Aquinas flips it upside down and he says, it's not about you. It's not about you. And I just, I just have to say this. I'm like, we live in an entertainment culture and this is to our Protestant brothers and sisters. I love you very much. You have turned church into entertainment Mm -hmm. and not all of you. And I know there's a lot of nuances and caveats and I know Catholics are guilty of it as well. But when I go to a website, I was going to one the other day of a Protestant church to look up a place for a, a test for COVID their, their website. I mean, you, you literally, if you just saw the photos could not tell the difference between that and a red rocks concert. Yeah. Yeah. And we've turned religion into this thing that is about me. And people say, I know this is the right faith because I felt so good at the end. And, and I want to affirm that's important. The way you feel that is important. I understand that. Believe me when churches do a poor job and they don't give people a sense of hope and love and inflame their hearts for God, that's a major problem. But Aquinas says that religion's a, a form of justice. So for me to treat you fairly, Patrick, right? Like um, there's not much I have to do because you don't deserve too much. But, <laughs> but for God, Aquinas says we can never treat God as he deserves to be treated. But the question we ask when we go to church is we say, what am I getting out of it? And that's the opposite of what religion really is. Religion is an act where I, I do my best to treat God as he deserves. And so worship is not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. And I know secondarily that really matters, but you'll never really get it. If you start from there, you have to get to a place of, I don't go to church for me. I go to church for God. And he doesn't gain anything out of it. God's not up in heaven. You know, it's like when people say, FB, that was a great homily. And I say, 
what I do is I say, stop it, but I motion for them to kind of give me more. Keep going. God's yeah. not like that. God doesn't need our praise. He is infinitely perfect. He doesn't need it, but it's good for us, right? Like when you treat people fairly, that's good for other people, but, but it's good for you. When I treat someone fairly, I become a better man. And if I always treat people fairly, I become a better person. And what, what we believe about the mass is it's not about you. And God doesn't need our praise. He is perfect. He gains nothing from our worship of him. He gains nothing. Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. He is infinitely perfect. And if he gains something from us, that would mean he was lacking something before that. God gains nothing. But it's good for us. And it's good for us to learn to be about someone else other than ourselves. I don't even know if you remember this, but I, we we always kind of joke about how Steph and I were dating. I was going, I was going to Red Rocks, and um, she was a the church, mission. not the the Red. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, and concerts, but Red Rocks a church, so Protestant. Um, again, to your point, I mean they, I think they do a phenomenal job in so many areas, and super entertaining, super welcoming, all the above. And there's a lot that we can learn on. We always talk about that. Agreed. Um, But, you know, so it's me versus Steph, who's the focused missionary and we're... we're, Practically perfect in every way. That's right. Just checking all the boxes. And uh, when I, when we started dating, we finally came to Lourdes. I sat down with you and it was kind of a perfect storm because to me up until that point, Red Rocks, it was. You showed up. Everyone is greeting you, basically hugging you as you walk in. You grab your coffee, your cookies, your donuts. You go sit down. Fog machines turned on. The worship music was phenomenal. And then the pastor would come out, and it's a 45, 50-minute-long message that was always entertaining. Then it went back into worship. But then that pastor actually stepped away. And I started to find myself in this position of Red Rocks wasn't the same for me. Right. Not not because of the message, but because he was gone. Right. He took a leave. And by the way, I think I just I want to keep going, but I just want to affirm something. We're we're picking on our Protestant brothers and sisters a little bit, but people would accuse me of this. Of right? which part? Of just like FB there's like a cult of personality and people who go to Lords is a little bit too much about Father Brian. I would uh and I'll fight them. I, I don't agree with that. I, I I don't. I don't even know how far to go into that. I, I would say I would agree to disagree with that. But that's good. I like to hear that. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Please stop. But keep going. Um, but when I sat down with you, that you said that exact same message to me, which instantly crushed me because it was right. you made the point of, and and again, I even for the, I think you touched on something else too that was like. A lot of our listeners, they're no question Sunday. It's a matter of which time they're going to. And they probably have their time. And it's a matter of how early they get there. But they do. And we talk to a lot. I talk to a lot of people within this community that say like, yeah, but I would just love my nephew, my son, my daughter, any of that kind of stuff that sister, any sibling, whatever it is, to just start attending mass. And especially coming from the other where you're saying like love is my religion. Right it is this concept of like, especially coming from Red Rocks where I would watch a mat, a sermon, whatever it is, service. service, Um, and I would feel like, like motivated beyond belief. And there's that quote, motivation is like taking a shower. You have to do it every single day. Right. Mm. 
So you become addicted to it. But then when you're feeling good, you're good, you're good. You don't need to go to a service. Right. You know, you're like, I'm on faith with my fire. I'm My relationship with Jesus is great. And then all of a sudden you hit a, a tough spot. And you're like, okay, I'm going back. And you kind of need that kind of kick to get you going again. And when I sat down with you, you said, that hour is not about you. Right. And where I was at when our guy left, I was not finding the same motivation. Yep. I was not getting the same message. I was really struggling with it. And then when all of a sudden, which is tough, and, and this is where I want to kind of defend that stance of like, when you start to go to mass, and especially in the beginning, like, first of all, I just picked up the Bible a few years ago. And then not to find now to find out I'm the Bible I had was seven books short of what we have now. Right. Which is another podcast. And uh, absolutely. And so as I'm still trying to dive into that, but then to go from such an entertaining performance and, or if you're even not going to church and you try to step in to mass and you're learning a million prayers that are super long and then all of a sudden, like even the rosary, like we joked about it. I have a, Spotify playlist of the rosary to get me through because otherwise right. I have to open a book, find out what day we're on, what blah, blah, blah. And I'm spending 25 minutes doing it. And I'm not prayerful. I'm more worried about am I getting the words right? So there's this huge hurdle versus on the flip side, like love is my religion. God yeah. loves me. Why do right. I need to show up every Sunday and try to learn this crazy curveball? If you're not brought into the faith, you know, we look at these, the amazing kids at this school, like I can't believe the amount of stuff they know and are, you know, like their knowledge is through the roof on a lot of the faith. But um, if that's not your background and you're kind of like, yeah, my aunt goes every single Sunday. It's kind of crazy. Like I don't get it. Yeah, It is hard to kind of put yourself in a position until you truly understand the beauty behind it. And I'm still, I mean, we, that's the point of this podcast. Like everything you're saying, you're still converting me on a lot of my thoughts. I'm still hoping to be converted myself. That's what, so, and, and that, you even that I appreciate that. like, but it takes those things to finally get to a point of realizing like, okay, I may not understand every ounce of this mass. I have no idea why we're saying what we're doing when and blah, blah, blah. But it is a time to worship God. Yep. And it's not about me for an hour. And and that is the form of love. Well, and there's, there's so much to this. And there's there's a couple points I want to make here. So let's go back really quick to the, the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and all your strength. If you're listening right now, I want you to hear those words seriously. Like, and really think about this. Do you love God with all of your heart? All. All of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. I, d I don't know that I do. Well, <laughs> in fact, I know, let me put it another way. I know that I don't. Totally. And, <clears throat> go ahead, sorry. Well, that's always kind of my this is just so genuine and honest here. Like that's always kind of been my struggle from the standpoint of like, you will love me. You know, that's the number one commandment like this and that. And you even said like where I, when he says I brought you out of bondage. Yes. That whole, like that whole verse. My issue though is I never like, and I understand we made these decisions and especially in that passage, they made these decisions to ultimately lead to that kind of thing. But I was born into a world, I, I didn't know Adam and Eve, and I had zero, right. zero uh, 
I, I communication saying like, please don't eat the apple. Like, don't do that. That's going to yeah. really, that's going to really put us on a bad trajectory. Like we're, we're on a good path. Don't do it. Then I'm born into this world where like, t- to your point, like, no, I don't. I would love to say that I, without a doubt, every decision I make, every thought I have is Jesus first. And you know, God is my one and only savior, yep. but I'm born into this world of temptation of every single, I could say it, I could, leave mass and be on fire for my faith and then i'm like oh man but i'd actually really love to have that private plane like that sounds great yeah like and you're consistently battled with that which is really tough for me to all of a sudden then when i hear these things of like i brought you out of bondage and i want to be like you put me there like your battle with satan put me there so don't tell me you brought me out of it i'm fighting for you this this life is really tough because you guys had a little quarrel and here i am right well I think that's a very valid, we all feel that. I feel that right. too. I'm like, I, I living the Christian life to the best, maybe probably not the best of my ability, but trying to live the Christian life for however long, it's tough. And there's times where I'm like, Jesus, did it have to be this hard? But here, but I think the big thing I want to say is, yeah, love is my religion, but here's, here's what happens. People cop out. Totally. They cop out. And here's what I just want to say is like, the the commandment, if you think of God, God is truth himself. He is goodness himself. He is beauty himself. And what people say is like, oh yeah, I love God. I never think about him. I never spend time with him. I d- you could never look at my life and say th- that, you know, he's really central in my life. But what do you mean I have to go to mass every Sunday? How dare you? And <clears throat> they're missing the point. Like you can't, if you truly love someone and they are your everything. And Jesus says, this is the first commandment. And and oftentimes what I want to say to people who I meet who are not religious people is I want to say, it's kind of like what Jesus says in the Gospels when he says, unless you, the one who loses his life will find it. I don't think this is alien to them. In, in Romans chapter 2, St. Paul says that the law is written on everyone's heart. He says the same thing in 2 Corinthians 3. The law is written on our heart. The Ten Commandments were written on the human heart. And I don't think there's any human being on this planet that is going to stand before God on judgment day and say, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to care about something greater than myself. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And this is what this commandment, so the Sunday obligation, and this is just the beginning part of it, is that we've got to get beyond ourselves. And you, every human, if you're not a Christian yet, we act as if God has come to us. And Pope Benedict has this, as always, he has this phenomenal quote where he says, he says, man acts as if he could come to truth, as if he is not a beggar. And his point is that like, we act like, okay, God, you come to me. And what we do is we make ourselves God. And, And by the way, God is so amazing that he did it anyways. He did it anyways. He came to us anyways. But what we do is we act like, Hey, you know what? My life is mine. Don't touch. And my Sunday is mine. And the irony is they would actually find joy and rest and peace and happiness if they learned to let go of pleasure and power and control of their own life. And Sunday, I think that just this is a basic beginning of the question. And I, I want to move to something else, but... That's fundamental. If, if you think you're just, God's role in your life is that you can just live your life, live for doing whatever the heck you want to do all the time. 
and we live in Colorado and, and again, I hope I don't sound too strong on this podcast, this episode. This was me. I, I think we've all been there. This was me of like, yeah, Jesus loves me. Great. Let's go ski. Totally. Let's go ski. And, and I just want to really push that point that if that's the way you're living, you will never love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Um, what did I leave out? All your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You won't do it. There's just, you can't, there's no one in your life who you love with everything you've got, who you never talk to, you never spend time with. And, and that, that can lead us more towards what, what is this in the obligation? Don't you think it kind of goes back to when we already talked about like the Aristotle Nietzsche argument. And I know we said Aristotle, that's religion aside, but right. when we say it's written on your heart, otherwise you're living this Nietzsche approach in life of love is my religion today love means going snowboarding or skiing tomorrow it means i hate skiing i my my heart says this like you're consistently searching people people want to love i think that doesn't put any obligations that's right and that's not love real love will always be a demanding love God, I don't know how far I would take this, but don't you think, and, and you and I have talked about that, but that's why divorce rates are so high. And one of the reasons, one of, for sure. One, one of, but when you live in this world of like, eh, this yeah. is getting tough. It's just uh, something else seems more appealing. And I'm just going to go, it's not going to work for us. Right. We, just, we were, we were incompatible. We, had, diff- right. we had different tastes. And, I'm going to stop caveating things. I just, yeah, we live in that world where things must come to me. Totally. And, and the key to happiness, Jesus teaches us this. The key to happiness is you want to love someone. Love is costly. Love is not cheap. Love is not something that can leave you unchanged. If you really love someone, it must change you. And, and so behind, the question behind the question is I don't want God to put an obligation on me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right, you said that though, but why do we call it Sunday obligation? So this is the next Ugh. point. So here's here's the next point, and this is such cool stuff. So two two quick things, but they won't be quick because they never are. So let me look this up. It's Matthew five seven, I think, um, is a key passage here, and there's a bunch of these in the New Testament, and there's a bunch of examples. But um, sorry, it's Matthew five seventeen, not seven. I forgot the one. How could you do That's that? That's so embarrassing. So Matthew 5, 17, this is the Sermon on the Mount. And this is one of the big differences between Catholics and Protestants. And this is why we think of this question the way we do sometimes. It's because we live in a, a country that's been formed largely by Protestant thought. But in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says this. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So, so Martin Luther, the founder of Protestantism, uh, along with John Calvin and Zwingli and some others, <clears throat> Luther thought Old Testament bad, law is bad. And when, when the Bible says the law, this is another topic for another time, but when Paul says, talks about the law, there's only one time probably in the entire New Testament where Paul's talking about law in general. Only once. The, the, every single other time, he means the Jewish law, the law that God gave to Moses. He's not talking about traffic laws or don't punch a grandma, right? He's, he's talking about kosher law and things like that. But anyway, the, 
the Protestant dynamic, and a lot of this comes out of Second Corinthians three, but there are a couple other places. The idea was that the Old Testament was bad, New Testament good. And so grace and law are opposed to each other. And there's there's it's a little tricky, that's why you have to study scripture deeply to, to come to these things. But let me jump to the point. The Catholic paradigm is that Jesus doesn't abolish the law, he fulfills them. So 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 if you're come from a Protestant background, the tendency is to think, well, there's all those Old Testament things. Right? And but the New Testament we're released of all of that and all we have to do is love Jesus and have, all you do is have faith and then you're saved and that's it. And, and the only way you can really think that is if you have a very serious filter on the way you read the New Testament and you have to filter out an unbelievable amount of material in the New Testament to think that way. Is that why there, uh, this is probably a whole nother topic, but is that why there's seven books removed? No, and that's much more complex. Okay. And the, the the seven books that are removed are all Old Testament books, right? Or none of the New Testament thing, okay? Yeah, none of the all the New Testament is the same for Catholics and Protestants. Got it, right? But so so the Catholic paradigm is that Jesus comes to fulfill. So, um, so in the Old Testament they have a temple, right? And uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus, the, the temple is going to be destroyed in the year seventy A.D. But in John chapter two, Jesus says, "Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rebuild it." but he spoke of the temple of his body. And in the Sermon on the Mount, this is an easy example. So Matthew 5 through chapter 7, seven times, this is crazy, seven times Jesus says, you have heard it said of old, you know, um, you shall not kill. But I say to you, uh, anyone who hates his brother will be liable to judgment. So Jesus, Jesus, right, this is, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So the whole Catholic paradigm is that Jesus doesn't do away with Old Testament realities. He, he, uh, he elevates and transforms them. So there is a Passover in the Old Testament, right? And there's a huge deal about the Passover feast. Well, the New Testament has a Passover, right? When, when's the Passover in the New Testament? What's it, what's it correspond to? The Last Supper. The Last Supper, right? Yes. <laughs> and yes. like St. Paul in like 1 Corinthians 5, he's going to say, Jesus, our Passover. And there's there's a thousand examples of this. But I love the Sermon on the Mount because, and Jesus will say, you have heard it was said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. And so the paradigm for Catholics, the way we read the New Testament, is that Jesus doesn't do away with the law. He elevates and transforms it. And so not only can you not commit adultery, you're commanded to get to, to work at least, to get to a place where you're not looking at women lustfully, which is bad news for us guys. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> and so this leads me finally, and sorry, I'm, I'm just going to apologize, but I'm going to stop apologizing. I'm just going to rant a lot on this Gregorian rant episode. The Old Testament though, so like, so in the Old Testament, there's circumcision. In Galatians, um, I'm sorry, in Colossians chapter two, St. Paul says the new circumcision is baptism. There's a circumcision in the Old Testament. There's a circumcision in the New Testament. There were 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. There's a reason Jesus has 12 apostles, right? Things are not done away with. They're elevated and transformed. This is the paradigm for Sunday worship. And you might tell me, and this is where I really want to challenge people out there. 
And if you're not in a place where you, you're like a Christian or a Catholic yet, I understand that. And you have to wrestle with that. But you need to be looking for God. That's written on your heart and you know it is. If you're out there listening, you know God put that on your heart. You have a desire for something greater than just pleasure and comfort and these things. You've got to search for God, for truth, for beauty, um, for goodness, to live a life that you are supposed to live. All of us have that obligation. And so for Catholics, right? So in the Old Testament, when did Jews worship God? What do you mean? Clarify, well, clarify that. How, uh, what day of the week do they worship God on? Sabbath. Sabbath, which is what day? Friday night to Saturday night. Oh, that was a very good technical That's answer. Right. That's right. I would have given a pass for just Saturday. <laughs> it was sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That's right. You know, Jews count <clears throat> days from sunset to sunset because of the creation story. But yeah, so they, but following that Catholic paradigm, do you see where I'm going? Keep going. Do you see where I'm going? Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I mean, so the, the Catholic idea is that you would never have something in the New Testament that is lesser than the Old Testament. <clears throat> you have the people of God in the Old Testament that is one nation. In the New Testament, it's a universal nation Right, you have made as uh, Exodus nineteen six talks about this, and then First Peter I think it's three, maybe two. You've made as a kingdom of priests for God our Father, right? A, a royal nation, a holy priesthood, a people set apart. And so the, Ephesians two is all about this, but that's the paradigm. The paradigm is it's much greater. The new the, the paradigm is never ever ever that the New Testament has a diminished understanding of something, and so somehow we have this idea and this kind of secular and I would say Protestant influence culture where it's like, Oh yeah, don't worry about it. Do you, do you have faith? You believe Jesus is God. You're going to heaven. Go ski, man. Yeah. And of course, and I'm caricaturing things. No Protestant pastor would say, don't go to church, but they would never say you have an obligation. But I feel like that's something that you are so naturally gifted with as far as taking even just a simple, taking the word obligation and making it into something that is you are <laughs> honestly just like beautiful and the fact of on the flip side you would show up on Christmas and Easter and think I'm covered mm -hmm. like this is all I need and and then to hear because otherwise it's like oh those I have to go every Sunday this and that yeah but when you really start to truly understand that it's not about love is my religion it is truly that taking the time to worship God for one hour, removing yourself from all the materialistic, you know, secular influences in the world ultimately brings you that true happiness. Yeah. And it's tough. Like I always say, like <clears throat> we, I think we talked about a couple episodes ago or last episode with, you know, when you're in this party lifestyle and that's all you care about, you're always looking for the next best party and the next best scene and the next whatever it is because you're living those highs and lows. But it is, you ultimately lead to a place of like, okay, this is, this isn't it. Yeah. And taking that time to go. And again, like I still, you know, struggle with getting every word right and every prayer and every mass and all, like I'll still bumble things. And, and then I spent half the time like, am I supposed to hold hands in the Our Father? I don't know what we're doing. Like why yeah. that type of stuff. 
but you truly get to recenter yourself every Sunday. And I don't know, kind of re-examine your life Advent style yeah. <laughs> every Sunday. And I think I think love needs love needs to be concrete. Yeah. We're human beings, we're not angels. And this is part of why we have a Sunday obligation. It's not because again, it's not because God needs our worship. He doesn't need anything. He gains nothing from it. We gain from it. But we need concrete ways. Like <clears throat> if if Steph, you know, um, if she says to you, you know, like you forget the, your anniversary. Yep. And you're like, what's the big deal? Like, I love you in my heart. It's like, love needs concrete expressions. And so this is, and this is like a huge question. And this is why I knew, I, it's like, this is such a big topic and I love it. And we can come back to it. Maybe people will have questions, but here's the other, this is the center of the Catholic idea is what does it mean to worship God? Do you have an answer for that? I, well, I know I've picked your brain before. Like I have initially, I kind of struggled with, we kind of joked about it, but when you walk in and you know, if, if Steph came home every day and I said, Steph, if you love me, I want you to genuflect every time you come through the front <laughs> have door. Have you asked her to do that? I have not. That's good. <laughs> no, I'm, That's I'm making good. sure I don't, remember, I don't forget our anniversary. Uh, no, but those type of things of like, wait, we, okay. So I bend a knee. I spend the whole hour, you know, worshiping, God, like it kind of seems narcissistic. Right. In a way. But so, so ah, I don't know. Sometimes that, that was tough for me in the beginning. Yeah. And so the, the Catholic idea on this, God, God does not need our worship. It's good for us. And in the same way where it's, it doesn't work with humans the same way, because when you and I, when we have someone else love us, we need that. God is a perfect communion of love. He doesn't need our love. But he knows it's good for us, and he knows he knows it's good for us to worship him. But what he wants to do is he has this perfect, eternal exchange of love in the Trinity. And what Christianity is about is God wants to draw us into that. And and here's here's the what I really wanted to get to. I mean, this is one of this is a massive point. We can come back to this, but some other time. But Catholics believe right. If I if I got to decide what we got to do on Sundays as Christians, and by the way, the Jews have a Saturday obligation. You worship God every Saturday, and maybe next time we talk about this, there's two things that Jews remember on the Sabbath that are explicitly named in the two, the two times that God gives the Ten Commandments. So in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, there's two things that God tells the Jews that they are to remember when they worship him, and... Oh, there's so much to this. But one of them is creation because Saturday, the reason they worship on Saturday is because that's, that's the day that God rested. So they celebrate creation and they remember that God rested and it's a day of rest where they remember they don't belong. They weren't made for work. They were made for communion with God, which is, that's another topic. But the second thing is in Exodus 5, and you brought this up earlier. In Exodus 5, when God talks about keeping the Sabbath, he says, you will remember that you were a slave in Egypt and I brought you out with a strong hand. And God, and so Jews on the Sabbath remember both of those things. The Sabbath is a day they remember that God created them and it's a day that they were redeemed from slavery. And mic drop, we could go more in depth sometime. Those things are elevated and transformed in the Christian worship of Sunday. Because Sunday is the first day of the week and it's the day we celebrate new creation. God has remade the world in Christ 
Second Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And there's all kinds of stuff about that. And then the second meaning, the word redeem literally means to buy someone out of slavery. And you and I as sinners, sin makes you a slave. The moment that bought us out of slavery and set us free is the moment Jesus Christ conquered sin and death. And the Old Testament realities are not forgotten in the new. They're elevated and transformed. And so you and I were not just physical slaves, we were spiritual slaves. And on su- Sunday's not a day that I, f- and we'll probably have to talk about what worship is. That could be our next episode. What is worship? And we talk about the mass and why Catholics think the way they do. But I don't, f- like when you get to this place, when you come to mass every Sunday, and we, that's what we should talk about in our next time is like, why mass? Why don't we do fog machines, electric guitars? which I could be really good at. That has to do with what the mass is and what worship is. But when I go to mass, I'm not, I don't dread it. And I have not, and not just as a priest, but before I was a priest, I, when I learned all this stuff, Sunday's not a day I dread. Sunday's my favorite day of the week. Going to mass is not something I dread. It's my favorite thing all week because on Sundays, I remember that I am a new creation and that God did not make me for work. He did not create me to be a slave working at my desk. And I remember that I was redeemed by the resurrection of Christ. And I am no longer a slave, but I am a son. There is nothing better. And when I go to Mass, those two things are renewed in me. Okay, so I'm going to hold you to that. I noted that now. I think that needs to be the next episode because... To your point, I'm not made for work. I'm not. That's fine. Don't you love saying that to me as your boss? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm going to actually not be in the office on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> right. No. I, okay. So, but from the, even before I started working here, let's just say I'm not made for that. I'm not made, you know, money is not, should not be my sole motivator, all that kind of stuff. But my answer that would be, okay, so I deserve to go to the mountains and ski or snowboard or go on yes. a bike ride on Sunday or any of that kind of stuff. And I think on the flip side, especially if you don't understand the beauty behind Sunday and mass and why we worship the way we do, all of a sudden you now get caught in these conversations of should mass be in Latin or should it be in English or should it be, yeah. you know, I can't eat an hour before. And I'm like, gosh, I just had that coffee on my way here. Did I break my fat? Like, all these rules start to play into Coffee mass. Coffee doesn't break the fast. Well, thank you. What if I have milk in it? That's just my rule, actually. What if I have milk in it? Yeah, that this is this is like now I have this calories. Is like a, it breaks it. Like I, some people would disagree <laughs> with me on this, but I'm like, for me, I'm like, that's missing the point, and you start to well, inch towards Phariseeism. But so that's what I'm saying, though. That's why I would love to talk about that next uh, podcast, just because why do we worship the way we do? Because on the flip side, all of a sudden it becomes rules and a world of secularism and Protestant, you know, yeah. Protestant aspect of it. You're now being forced of like, but at the end of the day, God loves me. Yeah. Like you're, you're making me think of so many things. That's right. So it's that's like, I, I, I want to, I, I definitely, a lot of times we sit down just for the, <laughs> anyone listening, we sit down, we're like, so what do we want to talk about today? And, and we'll kind of go with that. But I think we do need to piggyback on this because it not only to help anybody and even the former me and the, and still the me, Get to a point of like, I want to wake up without any question in the world of like, there is something beautiful about Sunday and I'm going to mass. 
not because I have to, not because oh, I'd rather watch this football game, but because it is so good for my soul. But also, and, and because I love, I think that's, that's right. the key. And, and and you made me think of one thing. I want to interject really quick. I, I think a law of human life. You and people are made to worship something. Right. I'm convinced of that a hundred percent. And if you do not worship God, people think, well, I'm just neutral. If you do not worship God, you will worship something else. That's right. I promise you that you will worship something. And the great idols of the world, there's three great idols of the world. And I would actually argue maybe even one greater behind that, but power, sex, and money. If you don't worship God, you'll worship one of those three, if not all three of those false gods. And, and this is the biggest thing. If, if this is actually you, which you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast, I hope you would. I just want to challenge you. If you don't worship God, you'll worship yourself. You will worship yourself. And you know in your heart of hearts that, you, that that's misery. And there's something really wrong about that. If life is about you and it's a subtle thing, all of us are guilty of it, so am I. But you are not made to worship yourself. And, and when you're, if you don't love God, that's what happens. And we, you know, that's okay. That's my diatribe. No, I think that's fair. I, it's, I think the last part I would say on the other side of that is if, if that is you and that landed for you, that's amazing. But I think what's also so important about this podcast and, and definitely the next is trying to understand if that is your daughter, son, nephew, niece, all that stuff that you feel so passionate about that they need to be at mass with you every single Sunday and you struggle with wondering why they're not. You need to understand, like, when you hear these rules and Aunt Julie's making me go to mass and blah, 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 like all these things and you don't understand the beauty behind it, now you're instantly going to fight it. And it almost like you take one step forward, 27 steps back because you when you're all of a sudden just being slammed with these rules and these weird things, these obligations and masses, Latin and not and blah, blah, blah. You're like, dude, I'm out. Right. Like, what? You guys, it sounds like a cult. What are you guys doing over there? Don't know what that is. Yeah. And we've got to explain, and that'll be the next podcast. Cause yeah. there are really legitimate, really good questions about that. But I think, you know, we've beat a dead horse, Yeah. but you've, you've got to love something other than yourself. And I just would challenge you if you're a Christian out there, the Old Testament cannot be greater than the New. The New Testament elevates and transforms. And if the Jews were given by God, and the early Christians testify to this, Saint Irenaeus has a famous passage. Let me let's close with this. This is a great way. We'll finish with a saint instead of one of us. Um. So. Oh no, I'm sorry. This is Ignatius of Antioch. So Ignatius of Antioch, very very early Christian saint, knew Saint John. Um, so Ignatius of Antioch says, uh, says this, uh, and he's writing, this isn't a letter. There's someone actually writing to him and they say, Christians have the custom of gathering together on a fixed day. Jews had a fixed day. They had Saturday. Christians have a custom of gathering together on a fixed day before dawn to say a prayer to the Christ as to God. That's Pliny the younger to Trajan. I know you knew that. This fixed day, which Pliny had no other way of defining, since in the official calendar there was no weekly recurrence, is our Sunday. And the gathering which had for its object a prayer to Christ as God, or Kyrios, 
is the Eucharistic prayer of the Lord's day. Um, so we'll get to that. We'll, we'll talk about like why the, why the church has moved it to Sunday, but it's because of the resurrection, obviously. And the early church, there's no clear commandment of this in the new Testament. There's a couple of hints, but the church did this and the Catholic church did this and I could go on forever. So let's not. <laughs> okay. So next episode, what is worship? What is worship? Why mass? Uh, Pops take him. <laughs> I don't know what you just said. Out of out of all that, uh, again, thank thank you everyone that has written in. We've actually received so many phenomenal emails, suggestions, questions, topics. Uh, please keep us posted with the good, the bad, the ugly thoughts on the podcast. Uh, hopefully, this episode you've noticed we bought a new piece of equipment that hopefully you're not head bobbing in the car. I'm on the left side. Father Brian's on the right. Uh, so let us know. Keep us posted. Hope you guys have a wonderful and Merry Christmas. Enjoy today with your family. And we'll see you, Christers, next Sunday. That's right. <laughs>